from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Please join me in our call to worship. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to make. Forgive our lips from to name what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us a future in which we can be changed, and grant us grace to grow more and more in likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. Beloved, hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Forgiven, freed, and faithful people, let us worship our God.
We have hit our halfway mark in our annual campaign called Living Gratitude. I would encourage the entire congregation, for those who have not uh, considered or uh, prayerfully considered uh, a pledge for 2016, that you would do that. Uh, we, again, are halfway through, and we are encouraged by what has come in thus far but we would be especially encouraged for those who haven't pledged yet to make a pledge for 2016. Uh, during this campaign, we have heard uh, from members of our congregation bringing testimony about gratitude. As we think about what it means to possess a living gratitude, a gratitude that moves beyond emotion into action, we've invited different speakers to share with us about what it means to experience this kind of gratitude, especially as it relates to their life in this congregation. So again, I'd invite Dorothy White-Williams to share as one of our Living Gratitude speakers. Good morning. Um, I've been a member of First Pres since 2008. In this third week of our annual campaign for ministry year 2016, Living Gratitude, we are encouraged to think about cultivating a life of humility. I've learned a lot about humility through the medical practice I'm a part of in Clarkston. Um, we have a very diverse patient population in Clarkston, as Clarkston is a refugee resettlement area with more than 30% of the population being foreign-born. Frequently, our small waiting room will have people representing up to three continents. A large part of our patient population has life situations that have been affected by political turmoil, war, poverty, fear, and intimidation. Many of the patients to whom we provide care have life stories that are at the same time heartbreaking and inspiring. They show so much resilience that I've come to learn about buoyancy and altruism from them. I see them helping each other and us. We have witnessed acts of kindness, unselfishness, and respect time and time again. For example, more often than not, a family waiting for their own turn will encourage us to see someone else first if they see a crying child, regardless of whether the child is from a different culture or their own. The acknowledgement of an expression of our shared humanity has been truly heartwarming and fulfilling and has served as an invaluable lesson in humility for me. Also, the privilege I have of all my patients trusting me with their most vulnerable moments is very humbling to me, and I'm grateful to God for this opportunity to serve others. Coming to First Presbyterian has felt like an unbelievable blessing in shaping my understanding of humility. At the time when I first began to visit this church in 2007, I was feeling overwhelmed with challenges and circumstances. My husband, Brian, and I had recently received the diagnosis of autism for our older child, Ofori, and I found myself as a family physician working among a relatively large refugee population in Clarkston, putting in long, challenging hours at work, followed by long, challenging hours at home. On my first visit to First Pres, I was greeted by the late Joseph Wallace. He smiled at me, and he saw me with one boy on my hip, it was Quasi, and dragging the other by the arm, Ofori, and guided me to a place for my sons and a class for me. When I went to the international Sunday school class, the first thing I saw was the banner on the wall from Hebrews 13, verse 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, many people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. 
I have come to know many members of the church who live this admonition. Several members of the church have shown us such compassion, and we have felt welcomed. The Sunday school teachers for our boys were meeting them where they were, guiding, encouraging growth, sharing in victories, and showing love, not judgment. I also saw them encouraging the other children to show compassion, fostering a loving environment where the children see each other as equals instead of emphasizing disabilities. To quote Colossians 3.12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, let us clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Thank you. Our first scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 7 through 14. It can be found on page 72 of the New Testament in your pew Bible, if you would like to follow along. Listen for and hear the word of God. When Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor, in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place, and in disgrace, in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a, a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will re, re, be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the God, of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is from the letter to the Colossians. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Hear again God's word to you and to me. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This again is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts give you glory. 
this day and forever, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Here at the Midway Point in our annual campaign, as we've been talking about how to practice a life of gratitude, we turn to humility. Humility is countercultural. It is in direct conflict with the messages all around us in the world telling us how important we are. A catalog for a store I've never even heard of showed up in our mail this week. That'll start happening as Christmas is coming, won't it? The cover said, my time, my place, myself. L'Oreal Paris, the cosmetics company, has used the same tagline for such a long time. You remember it? Because you're worth it. Two sports company ads I saw this week said in bold letters, you are greatness and winning takes care of everything. An ad for a sleek motorcycle in the middle of a sharp turn had only these words, Humility not included. And my personal favorite example I came across just this week is a quote from Ted Turner saying, if only I had a little humility, I would be perfect. These messages are all about the individual. They're ads, so of course they're playing to our sense of our own importance to get us to buy things, but they also give us a skewed impression of our place in the world. They make it seem like each of us is on our own, like what we want or what we think we deserve is the end of the story they assume that we are self-reliant, not that we're part of a community that includes others, others who've loved us and supported us. These ads are in direct conflict with our call to Christian humility. Humility turns all notions of self-importance on their heads. It reframes our place as individuals within the broader community and even more importantly, within our relationship with God. Humility comes from our understanding that we are not self-reliant, but that we are the result of God's grace. You see, we can't be truly grateful for God's grace and self-important at the same time when we understand just how dependent we are on God, we are humbled and grateful. Writer and columnist David Brooks wrote an op-ed piece recently, some of you may have seen it, called The Structure of Gratitude. He talked about the differences between people he calls occasionally grateful, who show gratitude when something unexpected happens, like when somebody does something nice for them, and people he calls dispositionally grateful. He writes that those people, people with dispositional gratitude, are hyper-aware 
of their continual dependence on others. They treasure the way they have been fashioned by parents, friends, and ancestors who were in some way their superiors. They're glad the ideal of individual autonomy is an illusion, because if they were relying on themselves, they'd be much worse off. Adopting that kind of disposition of gratitude is like clothing ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Clothing ourselves. Such a rich image, isn't it? In many churches, including many today, when people are baptized, they literally put on new clothes, often a white garment that symbolizes the new life that comes from being baptized into God's family. And we can also wear the call of our faith as clothing, as the first thing we present to the world. We take on compassion and humility as if they are our skin, as the new selves we become because we have been welcomed by God. Now let's be clear about what it means to live our gratitude and humility. Humility, or humbling oneself, does not mean being subservient. It does not mean accepting abuse or mistreatment. It's not putting oneself down. It is not a call to allow ourselves to be humiliated, similar root, or subject to public shame. Humbling ourselves does not mean cowering or groveling. Humbling ourselves means not insisting on our own importance or trying to elevate ourselves above others. Still, humbling ourselves is not easy, and it hasn't been easy in light of the messages of the world even since Jesus' day. In our passage from Luke that William just read so beautifully, Jesus uses the scenario of a wedding banquet to teach lessons about self-importance and humility. The scene for a wedding then was very much like the scene for a wedding now. Weddings were a microcosm of life with relationships and social standing on display. Maybe you've experienced this if you've ever been to a wedding or if you've ever tried to create a seating chart. Even if it's only trying to seat the family members who will cause the most disruption or awkwardness together, which might have been a factor at our rehearsal dinner, maybe. Weddings then and now are rife with intentional social grouping. Some guests at any gathering are believed to be more distinguished, more important, than others, and the seats closest to those people are the best seats. Think of any dinner with a head table. There are seats reserved for VIPs and dignitaries, for the biggest donors, occasionally even for pastors. There's a special seat next to the speaker or the honoree or the wedding couple, and whoever gets that seat becomes a little more important by proximity. It was then, and it is now, human nature to want to be important, 
to want to elevate ourselves whenever we can. But Jesus sees this sort of social dance and challenges the guests at the meal to take lower places instead of scrambling to be at the head table. And it isn't just a lesson in etiquette. Jesus here is actually giving a glimpse into the kingdom of God, where those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus then turns to his own host and blows apart the hospitality code of the day, which was based on status and reciprocity. Now, I'm going to name something here that is still very much in effect where I grew up in South Carolina, and that is the repayment invitation. Don't raise your hands, but think about whether you've ever extended an invitation in order to repay an invitation. With deep affection for my own home and the Southern hospitality with which I was raised, I want to acknowledge that that system of repaying invitation with invitation was never meant to leave anyone out or to reinforce status. And yet, we have here, in Jesus' own words, a new way of thinking about hospitality a code that puts aside reciprocity, puts aside status, even the status of host, and tells us instead to practice radical welcome. Here in Luke's Gospel, Jesus teaches his own host that he should not have meals and invite his friends and brothers and relatives and the rich neighbors. In other words, he should not invite the important people, because those people will repay the invitation. Instead, Jesus calls us to welcome those who cannot repay, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Jesus calls us to break apart the hospitality code of the world in favor of the hospitality code of the kingdom. We are each of us, in one way or another, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And we have been invited into God's feast anyway. We've each been given a place at God's table and grace that we can never repay. When we clothe ourselves with humility, we are ever aware of our need for that grace. And it frees us, friends, from our perceptions of how important we are in the world. Clothing ourselves with humility might mean actually giving up a seat. It might mean, as Dorothy shared so beautifully, meeting one another in love wherever we are. It might mean showing compassion and allowing someone to see a doctor first. It might mean hosting someone new or showing gratitude with something besides the repayment invitation. It might mean giving up time that we could have spent on our own careers to mentor someone who's just starting out. 
It might mean reordering our schedules to include a conversation over breakfast here early on a Sunday morning. In this congregation, we have abundant opportunity to live our gratitude by welcoming others. We can share in worship. We can share in relationships with mission partners here in Atlanta and around the world. We can share in meals and ministries of care. We can share our money, our time, our hospitality, our love. And we can share today and every day the abiding confidence that we are welcome at the table of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who gave up not only his claim to the best seat, but all worldly status, even his very life, to give us the grace that we can never repay. May we humbly live our gratitude for that grace every day. Amen.
peace that comes with being welcomed today and every day in this place and at this table, knowing that you are a child of God and God's love never ends. Go with the confidence of grace, peace, and humility in your hearts today and always. Amen.